Good morning, Crossbridge family, and welcome to Crossbridge Online. It is so good to be with you this morning, and I just want to welcome you today. If you're a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you and just say thank you so much for joining us from wherever you are. And I want to let you know today that my hope and my prayer for you is the same as for every single person who's joining us online now or will watch this series later, and that simply is this. No matter where you find yourself today, I hope and I pray that you would be taking one step forward in your faith in Jesus because that is what we are all about here at Crossbridge. Now, I am really excited that we are going to be exploring and coming to a close very soon in our Pathway series. And what I would love for you to do is you're going to need a couple things with you today, and you've needed these each week. You're going to need your Bible with you. You're going to need your trail guide with you. There's a download if you're joining us for the first time in the comments, and you are going to need a pen because that's the easiest way to take some notes and jot some things down as we go through this together. If you have a walking stick and you'd like to bring that with you, always welcome. Just don't hit the people on the couch next to you. Now, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be starting out today in Genesis chapter 2. And while you're turning there, um, I like starting from the beginning as we've been going through this trail guides. And I want to tell you that as we approach our topic of Sabbath today, that this is something that personally I've been working through for many, many years and reading so many different authors and listening to so many different sermons and seeking out mentors and, and people to help me understand this step so much better. So as we go through our time today, I need to tell you that not every idea in here is like a Jimmy original, but I also need to tell you it's hard to quote and to tell you what things come from who, simply because, I mean, I have been deeply influenced by amazing people. And you can go look these guys up and these women up later, but Pete Scazzaro, John Mark Comer, uh, Dallas Willard, uh, Ruth Haley Barton, Rich Velotis, Richard Foster, Thomas Merton, Henry Nowen, uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. I mean, the, the list I could probably continue to go on and on. Some of the resources are in your dig deeper portion of your guide. But listen, there's so much currently being written about the Sabbath where there was a long time there was nothing written about it. And that simply is because it's, it's a weird thing to talk about. It's a weird thing to kind of have a conversation about. But as we do this, uh, um, I kind of want to step in and ask you a question really quick, okay? I want to begin by asking you a question and for a moment just stop and think, what is it that brings you joy? What is it that makes you smile? Now, I know for me, there are a handful of things that bring me joy and make me smile. Um, I will tell you, turning my phone off. Oh, that's so good. I love when I get to do that. I love sitting next to my wife with absolutely no agenda. And when she just puts her hand on mine, I'm like, today's a good day. I don't care what else has to happen. I love, and what brings me joy, not having to-do lists or have-tos. You know, those things that like appointments you have to go to, people you have to see. When none of that exists, that brings me joy. I love playing new games with my kids. I enjoy the old ones, but learning something new with them brings me joy. I really enjoy golfing alone or with people I've never met before. There's something very, very enjoyable about just getting out there um, in nature and with new people. I enjoy 
uh, well-planned and cooked out meals with my friends and friends that like smile to my face, friends that we could laugh over the dumbest things and I really, really enjoy that. And I, I think finally I enjoy, and what brings me joy, uh, driving with no destination. Just jumping in the car, either listening to amazing music or putting a book on or complete silence, but just driving with no place to go. Just because I can, I enjoy it. Now, I don't know if that spurred anything in your heart or your mind of things that you enjoy, but here's what I want you to do. Wherever you're watching from right now, I want you to just pause and I'm going to give you 30 seconds. If you're around other people who are on a couch or at your uh, watch party or wherever you are, I want you to be sharing with the people who are around you right now. What is it that brings you joy? If you're watching online with us, I want you to go ahead and put those comments, put what you enjoy, what brings you joy, what makes you smile and throw it in the comments. And while you're doing it for 30 seconds, I'm going to kind of introduce you to something that brings me great joy, and that simply is Krispy Kreme donuts. And I'm gonna cut up a donut for the next 30 seconds while you share. So go ahead, have some fun. I'll see you in 30 seconds. It's so good. There's something about Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank you so much for taking the opportunity to share with each other right now. What is it that brings you joy? And I'm sure as you see things and as you hear things, it's reminding you that there are things that we get to do that just make us smile. And I, I just want to ask the simple questions. When's the last time you did that? Those things without feeling guilty, without feeling like you were wasting time, without feeling like there was something else that you should have been doing. Because I need to tell you that God's desire for you and for me is that our hearts and our lives would be full, that there would be laughter, there would be joy. And I know that in a time of COVID like we are in right now, it's hard to find that. And I don't think that brings God a lot of joy because he has designed us to have joy, to live life and to live it to the fullest. As you think about those things that bring you joy, I want you to have that smile that you have right now, and I need you to take it with you through this series. I need you to take it with you through this topic specifically because the truth is this topic can feel very much like a you have to do this, not a you get to do this. And my hope and my desire for you as we talk about the Sabbath is that you would feel invited in to something so spectacular. And I should also tell you that, uh, you know, I run with a lot of pastors from all over the country, handfuls from around the world. And I need to explain to you that in the 21st century, there are most pastors who would stand in this place right now and tell you that the Sabbath is not something for the 21st century, that this was uh, for the past. And I, I understand what they're saying, but I also don't agree with them. I don't agree with them, and I could tell you from experience in my own life that the discipline of Sabbath, and that word discipline is important because it is hard to keep and to make sure we do it, but this idea of Sabbath 
as I look at scripture, I think God values this. I think Jesus values this. I think the disciples valued this. And if you are part of our Crossbridge family, I need to tell you that as a pastor, I value this. Our staff values this and our board and elders value this, that this is a discipline and a practice that we celebrate here at Crossbridge. And so if it's new to you, that's completely understandable. You are about to learn something that is going to change your life, the way that you live every day of the week. And so are you ready to just get rocked by what we have to, what God has to say about the Sabbath? Because it's going to be pretty awesome. You're in Genesis chapter two. In Genesis, what we find is that this is the story of creation, the story where we learn about how God created everything. And for those of you who wanna get into arguments over, was it seven literal days or millions of years? The truth is, I don't care right now. The bottom line is that for six days, God has created everything. And he's used three days to build these frameworks and three days to fill everything. And then he looks at all the animals uh, that he's created and he blesses them. He blesses them and tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And then he looks at man and woman. He looks at us, mankind, and he says, oh, this is so good. And he blesses us and tells us to be fruitful and multiply. But there's a third thing that God blesses in the creation story. Did you know that? Let's go to Genesis chapter two. We'll start in verse one. This is what it says. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested, which in the Hebrew, it means he put it to an end. He stopped working. It was complete. And God blessed which means filled with strength in the Hebrew. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. When you look at the first three verses of Genesis chapter two, we get this picture of God creating for six and then on the seventh, he stops. Now, did he stop and rest because he was tired? Was he, was he strung out because of the stress of trying to create all these different kinds of animals and trees and, and all these different you know, creatures in the ocean and how, how gravity works? And what, did that wipe him out so much that he felt like he needed to sit back in his little cloud lazy chair, crack one open and be like, oh man, I just need a day to catch up. No, 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 that's, that's not who God is. God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He doesn't need a day of rest. So why would God then take a day at the end of these six and say, on this day, I'm going to cease working, but it will still count towards the seven days of creation, the seven days of the week. Why would he do that? And it simply is because he is giving us a model to follow. He's, he's demonstrating for us that six days are for work, but one day is to rest. One day is to rest. And we see all the time and we celebrate all the time that God has blessed animals and that God has blessed people. But do you realize that that third thing that's blessed is the Sabbath? He takes a day and he blesses it, which means he infuses it with strength. God has designed in our weeks for there to be a day that brings life to us, that multiplies and makes us more fruitful because we've slowed down. 
because we've stopped. And I know that goes against everything we've ever learned. That it's like, how could slowing down make you better? How could pausing make things you know, more fruitful? That doesn't sound like anything. You need to hurry up, speed up, keep going. But that's not what we read here, is it? We read that God takes a day and he blesses this day just as much as he blessed the animals and the people. How many of us can look forward to a day, one day, every seven days, that we would stop and say, oh, I've got a day that brings so much life to me. When I live that day, it is like Christmas without any relational responsibilities. It is like, you know, eating like Thanksgiving without having to talk politics. It is like sleeping and taking naps all day. It is the day that I know all other six days I can do whatever because I have that day. It brings me life. I think most of us don't have that. And instead, when we see a day that's open, we instead look to how can we fill it? What can we do with that day is usually the question that we ask each other. Or when a day becomes open, we'll look at a spouse, we'll look at a family and say, what kind of things do you want to do on that day? And our days become filled with extra stuff. It's another day that takes from us instead of gives and blesses us. This is what God wants for us, is to be blessed, not to give more. We have it backwards, I think. Sabbath is God's invitation for us to cease work, to stop doing, to slow down. And if you go from Genesis chapter 2 and you run out to Exodus chapter 20, what you find is the nation of Israel sitting at the base of Mount Sinai. They have come out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery. God is taking this nation and he's basically trying to reset them a little bit. And he's going to take Moses and he's going to bring him up onto the mountain to give him the Ten Commandments. And what we need to know about this is it's been 400 years of slavery. They've been set free. And now it's this whole new generation of, of a nation that's wandering the desert. And this is the first, because again, in Deuteronomy, you're going to find another set of Ten Commandments, the same ones, because they have to re-give them after a big mess up of 40 years wandering. It's a bad thing. But here at the base of Mount Sinai, they send up. Moses to get these, to meet with God. He comes down with these tablets. And most of you know the tablets, um, or you've grown up hearing about the Ten Commandments. And it's actually very interesting because the Ten Commandments, some of them are really tiny. They're really easy. Uh, you know, do not steal. Do not murder. We got four words, right? Those are really easy. But if you look at the length of all of the Ten Commandments, and I won't read all of them to you from Exodus chapter 20, you realize that while they all are important, they're not all the same length. Some have to be explained a little more than others. The Sabbath is one of them. Would you look with me to verse 8 of Exodus chapter 20? And there it says this, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. It includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, 
the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blesses the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. This is a little more than uh, four words, isn't it? This, this is a little more verbose than do not steal and do not murder. I know I cut up uh, Krispy Kreme before because it brings me joy, but if, if I were to invite you right now to join me in eating this Krispy Kreme and I were to offer you some of the pieces that I cut up, which, which ones would you choose? Because I know for me, I love Krispy Kreme. And, and to be honest with you, I'm going to go for the biggest pieces that I cut, not the smallest pieces that I cut. And what we have is a simple illustration that in these 10 commandments, these 10 pieces of donut, God's saying, do not steal. And we're like, all right, I get that. That's easy. I, I can't take things from people. Yeah, but I need you to honor the Sabbath. And the other big piece that he mentions is not to have idols. And both of these need an explanation. Both of these have to have almost like appendixes to them to say, I know that I'm saying this, but you might screw this up by trying to get out of it in some way, shape, or form. And when we talk about idols, the idea of an idol is putting anything before God, anything that we worship before God. And can I tell you in the 21st century what our biggest idol is, I believe? It's us. It's our pleasure, our worth, our status. What do we get out of life? And we become the center of our life. And when we become the center of our life, we work so hard to get what we want that we forget to take the Sabbath. And when you look at this, you've got over 50% of that donut. 60% of the Ten Commandments, word-wise, is made up of no idols and keep the Sabbath. 60% of this is saying that you've got to get over you and you have got to stop and put God at the center. This is the call that God gives to Israel is you could royally mess things up. God takes most of his time in this to say, if you want me in the center, you've got to give me that time and attention. You've got to honor me with your time, with your energy, with your life. It should be reoriented around me, not around you. Why would he say all these extra things? Why would he list your sons and your daughters, your livestock, your slaves, if there's foreigners? Why would he list all of these different types of people? And I have an opinion as to why. It's because if he didn't give us some pretty specific instructions, you and I would find a way to work. And I know you're thinking like, Jimmy, I don't know, why would I find a way to work? Like, I don't want to work. Yeah, you do. You do. You may not call it work. You may call it chores. You may call it, oh, I, I work hard and I play hard. Yeah, but how much do you work to prep for your play and then have to work after your play because you took time? Listen, you like working. I, li I like working. This is what makes this so hard. And, and he tells them that because Israel has just spent 400 years in Egypt and they have lived as slaves. 
Do you know how much value and worth slaves had in Egypt? None. They were a bottom-rung people. They didn't get time off. They didn't get sick days. They didn't get, um, you know, holiday vacation, overtime pay, health benefits. They didn't get any of this stuff. All they knew was for seven days a week, you produce the bricks that you are called to produce and then go home and take a breath and then do it again the next day and then go home and take a breath and then do it again the next day. And for seven days a week, that's all they knew for 400 years in slavery. So what do you do if you're this nation that's come out of Egypt, you're at the base of Mount Sinai and God says, here's 10 rules that I need for you. Of course, God's gonna say, you, you don't understand the Sabbath, but let me remind you, I created something far greater than Egypt's created. They got a couple pyramids. They got some sphinx. They got some of these things that are like, oh, that's spectacular. I created the entire world and I did it in six days and I took a day to rest. You can rest. You can take a breather. You can step away from the rat race that you think you're in right now that you have to produce because that's what you've always done and take a breath. They, they don't understand this because for so long they've been part of the Egyptian economic system. It's celebrated more. It's celebrated bigger buildings, moving ahead regardless of, of who you stepped over or who you pushed down, who you enslaved to get where you were. As long as you got there, that's all that matters. Can I just be straight with you, Crossbridge family? I believe that the Egyptian economy is alive and well around you and I today. I would love to say that, oh, Israel needed this reminder being tied right back into creation that God can do this and then he can rest and he's God. And so, yeah, they needed that. But let's be real. You and I live in a culture right now where we are told to work harder, work longer, accumulate as much as you can so that you can die with the most toys to show off what you have. Make sure that your investments are as deep as they go. And we believe that if we have free time, it's wasted. We celebrate people who take their side hustles and we're like, oh, they worked so hard to get where they are. They have, and here's, the, here's my biggest issue. We have the audacity to call that the American dream, to live out the American dream, to come from nothing, to work yourself to everything. But what we never talk about is who's been left up behind in these stories. Who's been trodden in these stories? How many family members have been burned? Divorces that have happened, marriages that have crumbled, absent parents that have forgotten their children, and mental and emotional breakdowns from our kids, our teenagers, our college-age people, and all of us as, as older you know, adults who can't figure out what's going on, and we're saying, but I'm going to get there, but I'm exhausted getting there. And I look at this and think, all for what? All for what? A bigger house? a nicer car, more money in the bank. Oh, you can invest more. You can have a better title at work. You can have straight A's and be ready. You can be the best on your soccer team. Still not get anywhere with it. When Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, a large portion was just keep the Sabbath holy. And I believe he said that because he knew that Israel would default to a life of slavery before a life of freedom. And I believe we are the same people. We are the same. Because slavery 
is anything but normal. When he commands them to Sabbath, he is inviting them to a rhythm of rest and resistance. And I know that might sound a little weird, but he's inviting them to rest from our work and to resist the temptation of living like the rest of Egypt or the 21st century for us. There is rest and there is resistance. And unfortunately, I believe that most of us spend our time resisting the rest. God calls us to rest and resist. We resist the rest. It just doesn't work well for us. And this is not the way of Jesus. This is not the life that he has called us to as his disciples and his apprentices. And the gift of Sabbath is slowing down to rest. It's an act of resistance to the culture around us that's telling us to go. We say, you don't own me. Jesus does. It's a declaration that it's time for one day a week to get off the hamster wheel. To just step off it for a second, let that thing spin and go, oh, I was running pretty hard. I don't know if I have that much energy to do that again. We have to get off this wheel. And when I say resist, the Sabbath, I don't know if some of you think like I do, but this is basically a stick it to the man of our culture. This is basically your opportunity to say, you know what, I know that you expect me to work seven days a week. I know that, that around us they expect that I should be always going, always working, always doing, and you're like, mm -mm, I'm not going to. And when you choose to resist and stick it to the man of culture and say, I'm stopping, can I tell you what's going to happen? All of culture is going to look at you and say, what is wrong with you? Don't you want to get yours? You're leaving something out there that you could go do. The Sabbath, you have to understand, was this hallmark for the Jewish people because for 3,500 years, God commanded them to keep the Sabbath. And over and over, they're in wars, they're in battles, they're going through different kings. They have these moments where they're developing as a nation, then they get exiled, and then they've got to come back, and then they go through it again. And then it's just over and over and over. What do they do? But God is constantly calling them back to keep the Sabbath. And it is said quite often, that the Sabbath kept the Jews more than the Jews kept the Sabbath. Because they could simply lean on this practice. It grounded them and reminded them for one day a week that they were not like everyone else around them. That they didn't have to look like the Babylonians or the Assyrians or the Philistines. That they, they could be different. And what made them different was the gift that God gave them to say, slow down, get out of this. You're never going to make it. This isn't how I've wired you. I need you to slow down and rest. You know, over and over as you're reading with me in 1 Kings and 2 Kings and going through all of this as we soap, um, you're realizing that God is actually going to come down pretty hard again and again and again through the prophets who lived at that time. Because the people didn't care for the oppressed and the poor. But not just that, they didn't obey the Sabbath. Do you know how ticked off God gets? Because they disobey and they begin to look like their cultures around them. They never find the time to settle, to let their souls catch up to their body. 
And in doing so, God reprimands them over and over and over. And finally, there comes a moment where they link onto this idea of Sabbath and they hold it so tightly that they begin to make extra rules about what the Sabbath was. They took what was so good for them to say, here's a gift for you. And then they put so many rules around it to say, we don't want to mess with God because he punishes us when we don't keep this. So let's make sure. And I have experienced this firsthand when I went out to Israel with my wife and we were there. There was a day, the Sabbath day, where people told us, if you're expecting to go visit somewhere or travel somewhere, just so you know, everything's closed. And I was like, what do you mean everything's closed? Like the country closes down for a day? And they looked at me and said, yes, it closes down for a day. And I was like, oh, you're for real? Like it shuts down? Like where can I eat? And they're like, there's only one restaurant open in all of Jerusalem. But that's like a city. Yeah, good luck. What do you do with that? Nothing. That's what you do. You do nothing. But they hold to these rules now so strictly that when Jesus came on the scene, nothing frustrated these people more than this idea that Jesus pressed them on the Sabbath. How many times in the life of Jesus do we read that he's walking in all his biographies in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as he's going, he does something on the Sabbath that frustrates the leading teachers of the day. And they begin to question, what does it mean to keep the Sabbath? What does it mean to work, essentially? One of my favorite stories is actually from Mark chapter 2, where Jesus has something very, very important to say. So would you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, the biography of Jesus written by Mark. We're going to go to chapter 2, and it says this, starting in chapter 2. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he said to his companions, we're hungry? He went to the house of the Lord during the days of Abathar when he was the high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, and listen tight to this, this is so good. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. What Jesus says at the end here is so important for us to understand that Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people not the people were made to meet the needs of the Sabbath. The Pharisees had gotten so strung up on the rules of keeping the Sabbath that they lost the heart of the Sabbath. What is it designed for? It's designed for rest and resistance, and they had turned it into such a legalistic law that it became work to keep the Sabbath that you would be constantly consumed, not with what brings you joy and rejuvenates you to come alive and to be filled with the blessing of Sabbath that we know exists. And instead you'd be thinking, did I walk too far? Did I talk to too many people? Did I cook when I shouldn't have? Am, am I gonna get in trouble for breaking the law? And they become so concerned with the Sabbath that they lost the heart of it. And Jesus reminds them the Sabbath was made for you. You need this. Whatever you're doing over here is horrible. That's not what the Sabbath is. And I think for us today, 
in the 21st century, there's really, I believe, a call for us to stop for 24 hours, seven days, uh, one day out of every seven days. And I know you may be thinking, Jimmy, that is unrealistic. That doesn't, we don't, it doesn't work that way. And I want to say, stop looking at Egypt and start looking at what God is saying. Stop looking at what the rat race of everyone else around you is doing. All those hamster wheels going along. You need to step off for a second and recognize that God is calling you to rest, to rejuvenation, to not live completely fried out, strung out, and ready to snap at every moment, at work, at home, and with anybody you're around. Like, it's time to slow down, Crossbridge family. And there's four parts to a Sabbath that I really want for you to pick up. And four keys to a really solid Sabbath day. And the first one simply is this, stop. It's to stop. We don't do this well. We like going. We like pushing. We like advancing. And the idea of stopping is the hardest part. And and. There's a phrase that we like to use with each other all the time. We're like, man, you need to slow down and stop. And we're like, well, I'll stop when this gets done. And I'll I'll stop when that gets done. I'll be able to take a breath when this season's over. And I I don't know about you, but those seasons are never over, are they? There's always something more on our to-do list, on our things to accomplish list, on our dreams and goals and all these things. There's always another thing that we can be getting done. If if you are even like my favorite is for stay-at-home parents, your list never ends. There's always another load of laundry, isn't there? You just did it, and and there's more. There's always another homework assignment. There's always another dish in the sink. There's always going to be something. And so if you're waiting for the moment for this to happen when you can complete everything and then you'll stop, I'm just going to tell you that's not coming. You will not stop. And so our first key to a good Sabbath day is you have to stop. You have to slow down. Life is going to end with you having unfinished goals and projects. And for those of you who are perfectionists out there that you need things all done and tied up neat, I'm just going to tell you right now, life will not end that way for you. You will end with things incomplete. So if you're waiting to get it all done, it's not going to happen. You are allowed to stop. And the gift of stopping is that you can remember that God's in control and you are not. And I know this is probably going to sound really aggressive and and, um, maybe a little bit mean, but I'm going to say it anyway, that God is God and he is indispensable, but you are his creature. You cannot do what he could do. The world continues working when you stop. Once a week for me, the world continues to turn. Crossbridge continues to be a, a, a church I'm glad to be part of. My townhome and development area continues to move forward. One of the gifts of Sabbath is, is I love you, Crossbridge, but you ready for the gift of Sabbath? You're not nearly as important as you think you are. Some of you think that the world can't exist without you doing what you do, and what I need to tell you is that it can It has and it will. That you are a blip on the screen like I am. That God is saying, in your blip, I want to give you rest. I want you to be the best blip that this blip is. But life has been happening and will happen. You can stop. It's okay. I've got this. The gift of stopping is we realize we have limits because when we stop, God is at work. When we sleep, God is at work. When we Sabbath, do you know what? God is at work.
we have to learn to stop. The second thing we have to do is learn to rest. And when I say rest, here's what I mean, not work. We have to learn how to not work. And, and you know what? Can you just do me a favor? Turn to those around you, and I need you to, wherever you're seated, wherever you're watching, um, go ahead and tell this to the people, and if you're watching online right now, I want you to put this into the comments. You ready? Sabbath is not a day off, okay? Sabbath is not a day off. Go ahead and put that in there. Tell the people around you. Speak it out nice and loud. Sabbath is not a day off. Eugene Peterson, an amazing author and writer, he actually says... Um, a day off is like a bastard Sabbath. It's like a bastard Sabbath. It's not a real Sabbath. Because on days off, days off are days where you're not necessarily at your vocational work, but this is the day when you get all the to-dos done. You got to do your bills. You got to do your food shop. And you want to do that laundry. You got to complete a project. There's this, you know, pantry that needs to be reorganized. You want to redo the cabinets in this room. All those things are fine, but those are day off things after work things. None of those are Sabbath things. The Sabbath is a day that we dedicate to God for rest. And I, for me, I'll tell you this, I purposely engage in activities that have nothing to do with church. There are some Sabbath days for me because my entire life is built on this, that there are some days on Sabbath I won't read my Bible because I'll tend to go into sermon writing mode or work mode. And so I take a breather. There are some days when I'm finding so much joy in this that I'm like, <gasps> and my Sabbath day is filled with it. But it's this rhythm that I find that I have to get out of work. I try not to get together with anybody that's going to want to talk about Crossbridge. I love this church immensely, but this is still my job. And so my work is to stop doing work. Whatever it is that you do, you, you've got to find a rhythm where you could stop. For me, I turn my phone off when Sabbath starts because if you've reached out to me and it's my Sabbath, you know I don't get back to you. It's not because I hate you, I don't like you, it's because my phone's off and I just don't want to talk to anybody today. I, 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 and the people I do want to talk to, I'm going to be very specific about setting up plans earlier in the week because I don't want it that day because it feels like work. So I step away to get a breath. Whatever it is that you do, you have to first stop and then you have to find a way to rest. The third thing is delight. Find a way to delight. You remember that list of questions that I asked you to do while we were cutting up all these amazing Krispy Kreme donuts and this is do not steal. Mm. Mm. Amen. Do not steal. Oh man. I haven't had sugar in like four months. And that was the first bite of sugar that I've had. And as I'm about to talk about the light, I need to tell you, oh, that is delightful. Um, wow, that was really good. Um, you got that list. And you see this stupid grin on my face right now. I believe that God wants this stupid grin on your face on a day of Sabbath. You got to do things that make you smile. You got to eat a Krispy Kreme donut on your Sabbath because it's going to make you happy. I'm not telling you to eat a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, but God does not want us as Christians to be the most miserable, morbid, gray people in the world. And too often we live like this and God's like, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. What are you doing? Smile. Let people see the joy that's in your heart. Show it on your face. Do the things that are going to bring you joy. 
Take some time. Like, I love when I get to walk my dog on a Sabbath morning because that brisk air feels different that day because I'm not rushing him around the block. And instead, I could just smile when I take him. I could smile because it's a different kind of day. On that day, delight in your loved ones. Look at your kids differently, your spouses differently, your parents differently. It's a day where you can find the things in them that make you smile. Listen to music a little louder because you want to. Dance just a little bit harder because it doesn't matter that day. If you like to play games, play the ones that really bring joy, not the biggest fights in your house. This is a perfect time. Go to an art museum and enjoy art. Some of you ask how I can read so many books in a year when I'm not the best reader, and the truth is I, I find so much joy on Sabbath in reading. To just get away and lose myself in a book because it's fun. And you know what? It's hard to do the rest of the week. I get to on Sabbath, and when I read, I don't even care. People go, oh, it's my time, and it makes me smile. I love it. What is it on your list of things that was here? You need to find a way to work that into your day. God created us all so differently, so please expect this. For me, when I say that golfing brings me delight and you're thinking that would make you want to pull my hair out, that's fine. You don't have to do Sabbath the way that I do. You get to do Sabbath your way because God's wired you differently. And so you need to find what brings you delight. And lastly, it's to contemplate. So we stop, we rest, we delight, and we contemplate. This is a day where we get to contemplate God's word. When many of you tell me that you're so busy you don't have time to contemplate God's Word or read God's Word, I just want to call bull on that simply because God's given you a full 24 hours where you don't have to do anything. You have time and I have time. We don't read because we're in Egypt and there's always something more to do and someone calling for our attention. We don't delight in God and contemplate on His Word because we don't have the time. And God's saying on a good Sabbath day, you're going to find these things that bring you delight. And as you bring, they bring you delight, you will find this great joy as you contemplate me. That your prayer life that day can look a little more extended and different because you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Today is a Sabbath for many of you where you dedicate Sundays. It's usually your catch-up day, but you start by worshiping with us. And thank you for that. But this is part of contemplating on the Word together. We, we, we sit in here and say, this is what's most important to us. It's a day where we engage our senses a little bit differently. I, I, I like to enjoy my meals differently. I cut smaller portions and I chew a little slower. Sometimes I like to feel how it is in my mouth and you're like, that's weird. Yeah, I know, but I, I normally I just like pig out and these donuts would be gone and just delight. When you contemplate the sweetness of something, the smell of something, the slowness of something, the way the wind feels on your face, all of those things you could delight in, do them slower and ask God what he's teaching you about him in that. It's not just so that you smile, but it's a reminder that God continues to work and part of that work is giving you rest and love. I need to tell you as a family, we do Sabbath and our Sabbath usually, and, and, and I want to explain this to you really quick, simply because I know some of you are asking, how in the world does someone do this in the 21st century? Especially in New Jersey, where we work nonstop and we all go. I've already confessed to you numerous times, 
I am a bit of a workaholic. I enjoy working and I can kind of justify almost anything as work um, or as rest because I like working. It's like, oh, well, I like writing sermons. Listen, when it comes to Sabbath in our home, it's usually Friday night that we begin to Sabbath. As the sun begins to go down, we know the night is coming. On those nights, we begin Sabbath as a family. Everything is done work-wise for the home. And so we prep from Saturday or Friday night into Saturday night. We, and I, I will tell you, in order to get ready for Sabbath, Thursday and Friday are very big chore days in our home where I, I, I left lists for my kids that they needed to accomplish. And this was the beauty. I could say, we're going to accomplish all these things because Sabbath is coming. And my kids' eyes, they light up and they're like, Sabbath is coming? I'm like, Sabbath is coming. Because on Sabbath, we have a big old list of chores on my fridge. Guess what? On Friday into Saturday, there's no chores that are listed because it's work for my kids. There's no homework on Sabbath. It says Sabbath on our calendar so that this way nothing else can fill it. There's nothing but joy. We try on Sabbath to use paper plates and cups. Why? Because I really don't feel like doing dishes. And so if I don't have to do dishes, I won't have to look at them in the sink. You know what? Paper for a day is okay. I'm fine with that. We take all of our phones on a Friday. We turn them off. We all turn them off and we'll put them in a Ziploc bag. We'll put them in a little dresser that we have in our dining room. They'll turn them back on and I'll turn them back on Saturday, but they're off for the most part for a day. Why? I need to be disconnected. I need to breathe. Usually we have dinner together as a family and we'll eat extra dessert that night because it's sweet and we can and it's bringing delight to our family. We don't really mess with that. We'll sometimes start a new movie series together. We eliminate bedtimes on Sabbath in our home. I do know, I no longer have to yell and fight with my kids about what time they go to bed. Why? It's Sabbath. I'm gonna go to bed when I want to go to bed. We also turn off all alarms Saturday morning. Why? There's nothing we have to do. Some Saturdays, I'm really excited to go play golf. And so I'll set my alarm, but Eileen won't set hers. And when I come home from golf, everyone could still be sleeping. And guess what? It's Sabbath. There are some days when I sleep in and she heads to yoga. And I'm still asleep when she comes home. Guess what? It's Sabbath. We can do what we want on Sabbath that brings us joy. I love Saturday mornings. I get to hang out with Ruby. We make pancakes together. We sit and we cook together because it brings us joy. And when our family wakes up, they smell pancakes. And I'll do freshly ground coffee. And when Eileen wakes up, she goes, it's a good day. It's Sabbath. We have a tradition in our home when our kids walk down the stairs. I'll usually be sitting and reading because it's Sabbath and I can. And they'll look at me and they'll say, Shabbat Shalom. And I'll say, Shabbat Shalom. And we do it with this grin. Shabbat, it's the Sabbath. It's our day of rest and Shalom is peace. May the peace of rest be on you today. And there's no expectation of, so what are you going to do today? What do you have to do on your list? None of that is there. We like to nap hard on our Sabbath. Sabbath is a day to rejuvenate, right? It's a day to rest. It's a day that we fill our home with books galore, naps are celebrated, sex, concerts, movies, video games, laughter, things that bring us delight fill that day. And sometimes we're together, sometimes we're alone, but it's always restful, never rushing. Some Sabbaths, I'll confess to you, I get bored out of my mind. And I want to work, but God says rest and I need the boredom to teach me. The world will continue 
He's got it in control. My favorite part is Shabbat Shalom. May the peace of rest be on me. Crossbridge, my fear is that none of you know the Shalom of Shabbat. None of you know the peace that comes with rest because you have believed the Egyptian-American lie of working too hard. When you think about Sabbath this week, I simply, I, I, I know it might be hard to think of 24 hours to dedicate out, but you need to begin to work to find this. Start with six to nine hours, turn everything off, do what brings you delight. Find a time and practice this discipline, practice this step. And I want to use the word experiment with it because some things might feel like work that you didn't think would be work. I enjoy cooking. My wife does not, so that brings me joy, but it'd be work for her. You need to find your rest. And God is calling you back to the story of creation, saying, I've blessed animals, I've blessed people, and I've blessed this day. This day is for you. Crossbridge, I do not want to be a church that burns out. I do not want to be a church that works so hard we can't get anything done because we're white. In a season of COVID, you need rest where you turn everything off to simply enjoy the Shabbat Shalom. Crossbridge, I love you. I miss you. And I pray an amazing Sabbath day over you today. Shabbat shalom, Crossbridge. Rest well today in Jesus.